Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're talking with Lisa Lang. Lisa is here to talk to us about success equals fulfillment. And this is our first person that we're having on that isn't an executive coach. We've invited Lisa because she embodies a woman who has decided to keep practicing law and not gone off and become an executive coach. So I think it's very important that we be able to share a journey with somebody like that and learn what she sees as success, her own personal definition of success, and how she has incorporated that into her role as she moves through her career. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Lisa. It's a a fascinating story about how she has come to where she is. She is the general counsel for Kentucky State University, a role that she's currently had for close to three years. And she has spent six years in the United States Army, first as a legal specialist and then a legal non-commissioned officer. She attended law school at night while working full-time during the day as a paralegal. And that will really resonate with uh, quite a few of the members of our community because a lot of them have had to do the same type of thing. After spending a total of nine years with her firm, first as a paralegal, then as an associate attorney, she left private practice to work for the Commonwealth of Kentucky, first with the Office of the Attorney. Attorney General, and then with the Kentucky Department of Education. She's had a number of roles with the Kentucky Department of Education, including Assistant General Counsel, Assistant Director, and then as General Counsel for the Kentucky Education Professional Standards Board. And it was that latter role that led to her current role as General Counsel at Kentucky State University. I first noticed Lisa on LinkedIn because she is very dedicated to helping people realize their full potential. She does a lot of facilitating, a lot of helping a lot of uplifting and a lot of motivating. She writes very positive comments and is doing her very best to, I think, help people in their legal journey. So it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So just let's just go back a little over your career before we go into success equals fulfillment. And can you just tell us a little bit about this very interesting legal journey that you had? You started out basically in the United States Army. How did that all come to be? Well, to take it back a little bit before going into the Army, I had been interested in being a lawyer since I was very young. And the issue that I had was that I was afraid that it was not something that I would be good at. And what was important to me when I was in high school and younger was to find something that I would be good at. And I really think my journey was delayed because of something that happened to me in high school. My senior year in English, we were supposed to do, it was a senior debate and you had to prepare all year and it culminated in a final debate in front of the whole school with your parents and your classmates. And in my school was about 200 people. And, and the question that was posed to us, what my, my particular, topic. I didn't get to pick it. It was assigned to me. It was the death penalty for minors. And we had to argue for it. Oh my gosh. And it was, it was, it was tough. And so we prepared all year. And to this day, I have no recollection of what happened on that day because I completely and totally froze. And it just, it, it was that moment that I decided, well, I'm glad I did this. I figured out this is not what I'm going to be destined to do. So I'm just not going to do it. So I went to 
college to be a teacher. And I went through college preparing to be a teacher. I had been told by a lot of people that it was something that I was very good at and I wanted to be good at something. And so I did it until I was a senior. And when I became a senior and I was getting ready to go student teach, I had one of those panic moments where I was like, why am I doing this? This is really not what I want to do. And if the reason I left my interest in the law was because I didn't want to get up and stand up in, in front of people. I don't know why I'm going to go be a teacher and stand up in front of a classroom of kids. So it, it was kind of one of those things where I, I had, I reassessed at that point because I really, I wanted to be good at something, but I also wanted to enjoy it. And so, yeah. And so I, um, I dropped my special education major and finished up English I had gotten married while I was a senior in college to a man who was in the military. He was deployed, and as I was beginning to think about going to law school, I thought, you know, it's a lot of money, and it is a lot of commitment, and it's it's very competitive. And so exactly. the thought was, you know, why don't I just kind of dip my toe in and see if this is something that I want to do? So I had graduated with, with my bachelor's in English. My husband was gone. I worked during the day volunteering at the attorney general's office for the Bureau of Consumer Protections in New York while he was deployed, and I took some paralegal classes at night. And it was through those classes that I thought and the work during the day at the attorney general's office, I thought, I really do like this. This is what I want to do. And it was interesting because I had uh, a gentleman came, uh, a recruiter came to the paralegal school that I was at and he did a presentation and he talked about the fact that there were openings in the United States military for paralegals. And at the time I had been trying applying for some positions and I was losing out on those positions to people who were executive uh, secretaries in law firms because at least they had a background in law and even though I had a bachelor's degree I had absolutely no background in law so I thought I would go ahead and join the military as a legal specialist and uh, the, the thought was this would give me an opportunity to decide if the law was an area I wanted and then the question was going to be do I want to be a paralegal or do I eventually want to shoot for being a lawyer? So I spent six years in the military as a paralegal. And for the most part, I would say it was a job and a decision I very much was glad I made and I enjoyed it thoroughly. You didn't find it frustrating not to be a lawyer at that particular point? No. And you know why? The reason that I was satisfied for the time that I was in the military was because of how the military was structured. So when I was in, I ended up deploying for almost a year to Bosnia-Herzegovina. And my unit was attached to a military police unit. And the way the JAG Corps and the attorneys are organized, the attorneys, they don't sit down with the units. They sit up at what they call the TAC, and that's the Tactical Operations Center. And so I was on the front lines, as it were, to the actual work. And so periodically, um, we would all go up and we would meet with our JAG attorneys and periodically they would come down to us. And I developed a wonderful relationship with my first JAG attorney who is still actually in the military. He's a lieutenant colonel. And the way he treated me was such respect and he helped me grow and he really helped feed my love for the law. And I never 
felt like I was de being deprived of any opportunity because um, because of the circumstances, I oftentimes had to do a lot that I would normally not do because my attorney wasn't located with. Wow, that sounds fascinating. That's quite the journey. And it, it's a very unusual journey. It's not one that we hear about very often. So you ended up in actually going into the Kentucky school, like into the educational system. And how did you, how do you find that? Is that marrying up what you we're beginning to do, which was the educational, and now you've actually, you, you seem to be combining both loves of uh, your past right. into to one particular area. So it's kind of married it up, would you say? Oh, absolutely. And that is what was so funny. You know, I spent a few years in private practice. And after I left private practice, I went to the attorney general's office. And the way the attorney general's office was set up, um, the attorney general's responsibility is to provide legal counsel for the various agencies within state government. And the Kentucky Department of Education was one of them. And I don't know why, but I seem to gravitate to a lot of those cases. And a lot of those cases did involve things that I was very familiar with because of my educational background. And so when I was in the attorney general's office, I ended up getting assigned those cases. And I think it was because I had an understanding, a depth and breadth of understanding of education that a lot of the other attorneys did not bring to the cases. And so I ended up doing their cases. And then when they decided they wanted someone in-house, they invited me to apply and I went there. And I think it was because I had that, that dual background. And it seems like you're taking all of that right now into your current role where you're doing a lot. I was looking at all your, <laughs> the list of your numerous responsibilities on LinkedIn, and I sure hope you have staff because I have no idea how you do all that in a day. But you seem to have a lot of responsibility around the students, obviously. So tell us a little bit about that. How are you affecting the legal journey of these students? You know, I really love um, working at, the, uh, at uh, Kentucky State University. I think that at least as far as working at the university, when I got there initially, we were very much removed from the students. And, and to some extent, I think that is important because it's really difficult for a lot of people to understand what the role of a general counsel is at a university. Heck, a lot of them don't even know what the term general counsel is. And so, you know, you've got to explain to people that your role is to represent the university and you don't represent individuals, generally speaking. You know, we don't represent students. But in the last year or so, what's been so fun is I've actually started interacting with students and my interaction with students is the result of LinkedIn. What happened was I wanted to find a way to uplift and support some of the accomplishments that our students were countering. And so I was posting congratulatory messages on my LinkedIn account and the assistant director for career services, she and I had never met. And um, next to my office, we have a big room that is used by career services to keep a lot of the, the, the clothes, the wardrobe that they have to help students um, prepare for interviews. And one day she was walking past my office and I looked up and I knew who she was because I saw her, I, I'd seen her on LinkedIn. I've seen her commenting on some of my posts and she walked past my my door and it's a glass door and then I saw her 
walked backward and looked at me and she was like, oh my God, you're Lisa Lang. And I'm like, oh my God, you're Tamika. <laughs> so she stopped and we started chatting. And as a result of that collaboration, we actually put on a joint presentation this summer during the COVID pandemic. Um, our career services have, they've been doing a great job of doing a lot of Zoom presentations and courses for our students. And so she and I and Associate Vice uh, President of of uh, Career Services did a uh, presentation on LinkedIn. And we did it with a student who I had actually worked quite closely with. And what was so funny about Siraj was Siraj and I had worked together when he was a student because he had some issues with a scholarship. And so I had worked very closely with him on it and um, we had connected in that way. And so he had been sharing his journey on LinkedIn, the ups and the downs as a result of the pandemic. And so he also was on the panel with me and uh, Daryl Love and Tanika East. And it was great. We ended up actually going over our hour time frame. We went over 15 minutes and uh, Daryl Love was like, okay, we have to stop now. So, it sounds but- like you definitely are taking advantage of the expansion of how we see our roles with the COVID because it's definitely changed a lot of how we, we look at ourselves in terms of our legal journeys. I'm just going to move us along into success and our topic today, which is equals fulfillment. And we've been talking about your journey. So now what I'd like to know is you've defined success obviously for yourself and it's changed over time as you you went through it so what would you say success is how would you look at it yeah I mean I really do think in order to be successful you you need to have a feeling of fulfillment and I think that society in general has a tendency to make people feel like in order to be successful you have to be wealthy you want status you want power but you know you also read a lot where there are people who have those things who are apps are who are not happy at the end of the day. You generally generally. don't hear about people that have all that and are happy. Usually you hear the exact opposite. Exactly. Yeah. I think that when I was younger, I think I did kind of define success in those terms. And so when I was, you know, that's the reason I didn't go into law because I wanted to be successful. Successful meant being able to do well and to make money and to be powerful. And, and I thought, okay, I can't do those things. So I'm not going to do that. I need to find something else that will allow me to do those things. And when I stopped worrying about that and started thinking more about what is it that I enjoyed um, and what my strengths were, that was a, a turning point for me then because when you find something that you love and that speaks to you, you don't have to be naturally good at it, but if you love it, you'll work at it and you will keep doing it until you become good at it. And when you become good at it, it, it for me, it, it, it gives me a sense of fulfillment and purpose because I know what my strengths are. I know what I'm good at. And I know that I can deliver something to somebody who wants the thing that I'm good at. And also your journey is, I think it's an example, especially like with what happened to you in high school, that first when we don't, when we run into a roadblock, it may not actually be the defining aspect of success because you looked at success at that point in your, as a teenager, that this would have to be, you know, your outcome of that debate had to be a certain thing. And when it didn't have that outcome, Um, that stopped your success in that area for quite a few years. So I think that's a really important message to look at as well as we go through life because, you know,
know, you can have your first case, you can have a disaster there, you can have another, you know, other things that happen to you along the way that just simply don't go the way you hope. But that doesn't mean you're not cut out for it. And I think what you had to say about, you know, you can work at it as well. I think when you work at it, you do find that you have some of those hidden strengths and some of those hidden talents and that you can bring that into to achieve the fulfillment that we're talking about. What would you say in terms of, you know, where did you come up with your definition of fulfillment? So what I would say is that I didn't look at anybody or that that was just something that I had come to realize for myself. But what I would say is that I have begun reading a lot. And what I have found is that what I've come up with is not anything earth shattering. It is something that is being written a lot about today. And I did look at a book that was um, written by a Harvard professor um, about it's called the, the Dark Horse. And what I really enjoyed about that book is it talked about fulfillment being the thing that actuates success. And when I read that, I was like, that is exactly what I have done without knowing that. It is that, that pursuit of the fulfillment. And when you pursue that fulfillment, it's almost like one day you wake up and you say, you know what, I think I'm successful. I am successful because I have a purpose and I am I've got things that I do well, and there are people out there who seek out me to do those things that I do well for them. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction. It sounds like listening to you and describing your journey that there was a lot of thought and a lot of planning that went into it as you went along. And how do you see planning in terms of fulfillment? Do you think it's something that, you know, we need to be planning for in order to achieve it? Can it happen without that? What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think it's, I think you have to be really careful. I think a lot about my daughter right now, who is actually, um, she's a law clerk right now and she is very linear linear and despite all of my efforts she has in her head you go to law school then after law school you do a federal clerkship after you do the federal clerkship then you go and you become an associate in the law firm she she's got in her mind all of these stages that she needs to hit and really don't understand why she thinks that because that is not at all how I pursued my career and I think it is is good to go in with a general plan because you don't want to go to law school just because that is the thing you think you need to do. You do need to have um, some plan, but I think you need to be careful about planning too many steps in advance. Things happen along the way. Life happens along the way. Um, when I was in the military, I enjoyed it a lot and I did get some th give it some thought about staying in the military, maybe doing green to gold and becoming a JAG officer. But that decision changed when I decided to have children and being in the military for me did not fit well with having a family. So I think you do have to be careful about being too structured in your approach. And I, this is, I, I, people laugh at me. I give this analogy all the time. It's like being on a river where there is a current. You put your boat in and you let it take you along the current, but you got to paddle. And occasionally you put the paddle in, in the water to help guide you 
you and steer you towards opportunities. And in order to get those opportunities, you have to be looking for them. You have to be watching for them. So in some ways, I like to say that the, the jobs that I've had have been somewhat accidental in that I have not gone out and applied for them. People have reached out and asked me if I was interested in applying. But the reason they asked the question was because I was already showing an interest in that area. So it's not rigidly structured. There's a loose plan, but you definitely are looking towards a goal. You, you, you're definitely looking towards having, you know, some sort of overall structure. But what I, I'm hearing from you is that there has to be a curiosity in the process. Like if you're open and you're curious about things that are happening around you, you're open to opportunities that you might not be otherwise. Like if you take a very rigid structure and you say, okay, I have to do this and then this, when something comes along, that's a different opportunity, you'll miss it because you're so busy focused on where you're going that you think that there's only one way to get there. And that's one of the things that I really love about your your entire career is it's not a usual career. It's not something that would be so common in Canada, for example, but I think it's just something that really exemplifies how you can have so many different twists and turns and still achieve that fulfillment that we're talking about. I think what you were saying is that it's not always readily apparent what fulfillment's going to be and your your answer may change over time. Can you tell us what has worked for you in terms of defining fulfillment? I mean, I really do think it has a lot to do with self-reflection and thinking about what is it that you enjoy about the work that you're doing. And I think I have been very intentional in every job that I have to try and figure out what part of that job currently makes me happy that is brings the most amount of satisfaction and success. So you don't just push through. Like I, I feel like a lot of people push through. You know, they go to articles. It's not that great, but they push through. They get into being an associate. They, again, they feel kind of incompetent, but they are going to keep going because they want to push through. And by the time they get mid-career, they've done a lot of pushing through, but there's not been a lot of happiness. And I right. think I think that the, what you're telling us is that by checking in a lot with yourself during this process, you were to take you were able to take full advantage of a lot of these positions, enjoy and learn about yourself as you went along. And that's a really important point. You were continually learning about what you enjoyed and what was fulfilling about the roles as you went through them. And that's absolutely correct. And you know, when when you think at being an associate. Even when I was an associate and there were parts of it that I did not enjoy, the things that sometimes I did enjoy was we did a lot of insurance defense and because you do insurance defense, you're exposed to a broad background, a broad array of areas. And what I really enjoyed was meeting the clients and learning about their industry because I needed to do a lot of research in order to understand their industry in order to be able to defend them. And so you might not like the politics of the office. You may not like the brief writing, but you know, I think you really have to be open in whatever you do and find those parts of your job that you find enjoyable and you need to really exploit them and take pleasure in them because sometimes that is going to help you figure out where your next move is. And you hear about a lot of associates that at least in the States go from being at a law firm going in-house. And I had a lot of colleagues who did that. And the reason they did that was because they built relationships with specific clients 
They learn the industry of that client through the representation of that client. And over time, the clients ask them to consider moving over to a position in-house because they showed that interest, that dedication, and they built, they took the time to build the relationship. I'm curious, as we were going through this, you've taken a number of different roles. When you were doing these different roles and you were kind of checking in with yourself, did you have a formal way of doing this? Was this just informal? You said that the role that you were offered, the next types of roles came to you and you, you went into them from that. How did you take what you were learning about yourself to be able to say, okay, the next role that I am being offered here is actually one that I'm going to enjoy. How did it all fit together and flow when you look at success as fulfillment? How did that all connect for you? You know, I was very lucky. The one moment that I could really think of where I, I, I went through a real, a self-reflective moment when I was moving from the Kentucky Department of Education for, as an assistant general counsel to in a general counsel, I had frequent conversations with my current general counsel, who I really um, respected and I worked very well with. And I've had several moments in my career where I felt like I just wanted to to take a snapshot for myself and say, this is a perfect moment in time. And if I could just keep this like this forever, I think I would be happy. But nothing ever stays the same. And so I've had one of those moments when I was talking to the general counsel I worked for. And, you know, he and I started talking about where it is that I saw myself and what did I want to do with my future? Because what he said to me was that he was very impressed and thought that I had done a great job doing the job that I was doing. But he said, let's be honest, there is going to come a point where you're no longer going to be happy because you are going to feel the need to stretch. And what's funny about that is when the general counsel position came open at the Education Professional Standards Board, he actually recommended me for it, even though it meant that I would no longer be in the department. But what he said to me was, he said, I think you're ready for the, the next move. I think you're ready for the role. And he said, and quite honestly, he said they need good leadership and our agency and that agency works very closely together. And I really would like to see you in that role because I know that we work well together. Together and I'd like us to work as colleagues instead of supervisor and supervisee. So, you know, when you check in, you're not just checking in with yourself, you're checking in with those people around you because sometimes I think if you're not careful, you need to have those, those cross checks. And I will admit, Ed, there was a moment when that job did come open at the Education Professional Standards Board, I thought about turning it down because a lot of what they were going to want that general counsel to do was to revise their regulations and work on updating statutes. And that is something that I did not do at the Kentucky Department of Education. I did the litigation um, and the human resources and procurement. I did no regulatory work. I was a little worried about it, but I had that conversation with my general counsel and I went home and I thought about myself and my goal goals. And he was right. I was ready to stretch. And he also said that when I went, he was only one phone call away. And if I needed anything, he would help me. So. That's that's an extremely important point, I believe, because I myself did not do that. I had one person that I worked under and he retired. And when he retired, um, my advocate in the department went with him. So it was very difficult. I didn't really network. And I think it's a really important point to be able to say that you need to check in with other people. It gives you that feedback. It also gives you the ability to see whether or not you're in line 
with where you think you are and where you're going. And it also gives you the type of feedback that you got, which is excellent, which is you are actually capable of this role, even if it might be a stretch or it might not be quite what you thought it would be. So it's a bit of a push. I think that's an incredibly important point. When you're dealing with the students, is this something that you are teaching them or talking to them about? Is it more of a different role that you have with them? So um, I, I really don't have as much interaction as I would like to have with the students at Kentucky State University. But what I would say is that I have begun to enjoy LinkedIn immensely. So many students reach out to me and they send me personal messages and they say, will you be my mentor? And just yesterday, it was funny, somebody, sometimes you can tell when, when you've got a younger person, they started messaging me and it was just, and maybe it's because our generational difference, but they just reached out and just started talking to me. And I just thought that was so strange, but this individual is so engaging and was so interested in what I was doing. And I, and I basically said, I said, you know, you've got a real talent here. You have a way of engaging a person. And I said, my first instinct usually is to block somebody like you. But we had this conversation. And so we, we, we exchanged two or three or four messages. And then he finally said, would you be my mentor? And I said, well, I would be happy to be your mentor, but I need you to send me your CV. I want you to tell me, email me something about yourself. And I want you to tell me how you think I could help best support you in what it is that you are working on. So I've got, I've probably got three or four people that I'm, that I'm intentionally working with right now. And I, I'm here for them when they want something like maybe preparing for a job or um, talking about, you know, whether or not they want to go towards in-house or do they want to go criminal law. I've got some relationships like that that I think are really, really fun and um, I really enjoy them. And that's actually really helpful advice as well about how to reach out to a mentor, how to approach them, what you could be saying, what you should be providing them, mm -hmm. not just uh, overwhelming them. So that's, yeah. that's, that's, quite, that's quite useful. So just getting back and we were talking about success as fulfillment, what would you say are some important points using this as a concept to look at success and to have it as a guiding principle for yourself? You know, I really think that you have to find it for yourself. And it is so easy when you are beginning your career to allow yourself to have what others believe is success. And I think part of the problem is that when you finish school, there is an expectation that you're supposed to know what you want. And I think that's an unfair expectation. And so I, I think that the best thing to do while you're in high school, whether you're in college, um, and, and when you're in law school is to get out there and try things, talk to people, experience new things, and try and, and figure out what works for you. I think that's actually applicable to all lawyers. I think that, you know, you can never really stop being curious. It's something that you need to continually do. We change our roles and we change who we are as we go through life. Many different things impact us and change how we see the world. So I think it's a, a really important point to continually do that. I also see that people are seeking you out as a role model. I personally didn't do that. Probably is something people should be doing. What would you say to that? You know, and I don't, I didn't, but I do think that 
at least for me, this LinkedIn, the, the ability to do it didn't exist when I was going through school. And so it, it's not so much I feel like I wouldn't have done it had it been presented to me. But I think that technology has given us the ability and the space to do it in a way that it did not do it before. Now, I've been on LinkedIn since 2009. And what has happened with COVID-19 actually, in my opinion, has been amazing and incredible because there are so many students right now that lost so many opportunities because of COVID-19. But in all actuality, I believe they have created absolutely better opportunities for themselves because they went out and they started reaching out and they started talking with attorneys. Uh, there's a lawyered up where a young lady lost her opportunity to do an internship. So I think she was supposed, I think she's supposed to go to Pepperdine University in their law school. And she's created an internship program for a whole bunch of, of students with her. There's another one. Um, leg up legal where they've done a summer boot camp where students are actively engaging with attorneys. Ron Matten is doing a technology boot camp. So students are reaching out to attorneys and attorneys are, are in turn reaching back out. I think the other thing that's happening is people are starting to actually network on LinkedIn instead of using it as a resume holder, which uh, up until very recently, a lot of people put up their profile and that was it. You never saw them again. You know, they got a certain number of connections through all their friends and their school buddies and everything like that, but they never really used it. And I think it's a very important point that people continually need to network no matter what stage of career they're at, because it changes, it changes your life. And as you're talking, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities opportunities that are created that you simply don't have if you don't network. So it's an extremely important point. Would you say that reframing is something that has to be happening when we do this? Like we have to be curious. Should we be reframing how we go about looking at our success as fulfillment? Yeah, I mean, I really think you need to do that, especially throughout your life. Because when you go through different stages, and and I'm actually in, in kind of one of those moments right now to reframe what success is for me. A lot of decisions that I make when I was younger, I made because I had children at home and I had competing interests for my time. And um, my youngest just graduated from high school. And so I don't have those demands on my time anymore. And I'm always looking, is this this what I want? Is this where I want to be? Is there something that I want to do next? And I'm going to always be asking those questions. And it doesn't mean that I'm not happy in my current job, but you know, I'm, I'm in a new stage of my life and yeah, I think in the next few years, I can see another move happening. And you're growing. Everybody continually grows. We need to be flexible. We have to continually be moving, reframing, be curious, defining success for ourselves and what fulfillment means, I believe. I think another important point is that we never need to give up. Like we should never be giving up as we've gone through this process. There has been many twists and turns in where you went. You spent a number of years, you know, as a paralegal and then you continued on. The biggest not giving up is when you went back to school and you, you switched uh, into the non-legal and then you switch back into the legal. So, you know, that was a never giving up moment. And I think that's really important. And if we tie that into our definition of success, then we can see that we don't have to have this solid, you know, rigid definition. We can continue to mold it and shape it for ourselves. And I think that is very empowering. Yes, I agree. And I think it's important. And, you know, all those different experiences too, I think all combined together, make you the person that who you are. And I really, 
really do think my role as a general counsel has been made easier because of all those different experiences I had and not all of the experiences that I had, you know, that were legal related necessarily. I want to thank you, Lisa, for coming on today and sharing your definition of success as fulfillment. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.